What is up? Welcome back to the 3C Podcast. I'm your host, Brett McGrath. It is Friday. Yes, it's Friday, and you know what that means. I'm bringing you a conversation with a content creator that matters and is going to give you something to chew on. I got my man, James Carberry. You know James? Chances are you've listened to one of his podcasts or a podcast that his team has produced. He's the founder at Sweetfish Media. I've learned a ton from consuming his content and other people sharing his stuff with me. And I said, you know what? I got to get James on the pod. James is a storyteller. He's coming to this episode with a lot of stories and he's talking about podcasts. You know, I love podcasts. What are we doing right here? He's talking about the six mistakes B2B companies should not make when they're starting off their pod. If you like what we're doing over here, tell a damn friend about the 3C podcast. Tell your content friend, tell your marketing friend, hell, tell your sales friend about it. Let's spread this. We do appreciate that. Without further ado, let's kick it to the conversation. What is up, everyone? Welcome back to the 3C podcast. I am excited for today's show. I'm joined by somebody who we've been trying to book this recording for some time. And we were just talking that when you're overbooked, uh, this happens, but we're here. We're going to talk about podcasting. It's kind of like podcast inception, but hopefully you can all get some tips out there. If you're running a podcast or thinking about one, I'm joined by James Carberry, who's the founder of Sweetfish Media and is the executive producer and co-host of a really good marketing podcast that you should listen to called B2B Growth. James, Welcome. How are you? I'm fantastic, man. I'm super pumped for this conversation. And uh, yeah, it's it's going to be a blast. So maybe we start here. So it's funny. I was thinking back uh, about how I got connected to you. And it was actually through this podcast. It was Catherine Martin in like episode two or three. Um, we were running through a conversation about connecting with people, the power of podcasting, and your name inevitably came up in that conversation. And of course, I did some digging and looking around on who you were and what you, you do and um, was certainly interested. So I, I'd love maybe for you to just open up and just give some perspective before we get into the kind of do's and don'ts of podcasting about like why podcast, how you got started and just like the story of yourself. Yeah. So so the story behind uh, Sweetfish and I, I guess my whole thesis on podcasting uh, is because uh, a single relationship changed my life. So it was about 11 or 12 years ago at this point, my roommate's brother-in-law, I was living in Oklahoma and my roommate's brother-in-law won a sweepstakes. It was one of those things you see on TV where text football to 1-800-ALL-TELL and you can win an all expense trip to a professional football game of your choice with you and nine of your friends. And you see those and you're like, nobody ever actually wins those, but my roommate's brother-in-law did. And he had just moved to Oklahoma, didn't have a lot of friends in the area. And so he reached out to his brother-in-law and said, hey, do you have a few buddies that would want to go on this private jet and go to New York City uh, with me? And and of course, you know, my, my roommate reaches out to me, asks me, it's a no-brainer. Of course, I'm like, yes, I want to take a private jet to New York City to watch a Giants-Cowboys game in a suite next to Jerry Jones. And so we, we do the trip. Uh, Barry Sanders is there waiting for us as soon as we land. So unreal, uh, being an Oklahoma guy, especially, you know, seeing Barry Sanders walk off the, you know, as I walked off the jet was unreal. And there was this guy named Jeff that was kind of facilitating the entire trip. If I'm honest, I did. I just thought Jeff like worked for Altel. I didn't really know who he was, but we connected, hit it off. And he was with us the entire day. So the limo bus that took us around New York city before the game, he was there with us. 
the tour around Times Square and like the little tour we did pregame, he led. And then going to the game, we had an extra ticket. And so he was able to go to the game with us. And I was just peppering him with questions, like learning about his life and his marriage and business, and ultimately found out that he owns this logistics company that Altel had hired to facilitate this experience. And he was like, yeah, I like New York. I'll just be kind of the boots on the ground person on site. And so stayed connected with him. And about a year and a half later, he reaches out and uh, asks if I want to pack up and move to Orlando to help him run the helicopter division of his company. And so prayed about it, ultimately decided that it was the right move for me. And so moved across the country. I was working at an oil and gas company in Oklahoma City, kind of banging my head up against the wall doing accounting work. And I had no entrepreneurship in my life whatsoever. There's like a buddy of mine that worked at the oil and gas company with me that was dancing around with entrepreneurship. But, and I, I knew that I was like a little bit excited about it, but nobody that was really like doing anything entrepreneurially. So I just didn't think it was a possibility for me. But moving across the country, working for an entrepreneur for three years ultimately opened my eyes to the fact that I can do this. And then moving to Orlando is where I met my wife. So like my, meeting my wife, meeting what I wanted, you know, ultimately to do with my life, which was entrepreneurship, all because of this relationship with one guy. And I realized a few years after that, that like so many people just rely on the serendipity of winning a once in a lifetime sweepstakes or bumping into the right person who can connect you with the right person. And I just realized like, we don't need to depend on that serendipity. Like we can proactively create relationships that can change the trajectory of our lives And we can do that by doing content collaborations with people. And so call it a podcast interview, call it a, you know, call it a, you know, interview for a, for a blog post, whatever, like an Instagram live video, like it doesn't matter what the collaboration is. Podcast just happens to be the easiest because you can do a video interview. It can turn into a YouTube video. It can turn into podcast. It can turn into a blog post. It can turn into all this other stuff, but that's really the motivation behind podcasting. It's, it's, you know, I, I honestly don't care about the mechanics of podcasting that much. Like we have, you know, the mics and the video and the, and then the nice stuff, but that's because we care mostly about relationships. And it's like, okay, over the years, we've stepped up our game with some of the more like tactical and technical things to, to make us really good at the art of podcasting. But it all started just because I, I was deeply passionate about this idea that relationships are what gonna, are, are the thing that can change somebody's life. And podcasting is a mechanism to create those relationships on demand. Incredible story. I love uh, so many of my passions came out in that one. I think football, obviously, I mean, you led with Barry <laughs> Sanders. That's, that's pretty badass. Um, entrepreneurship and just starting something. I'm in the mix with podcasting, right? I'm doing this show. I understand how the power of podcasting and the things that it can do for brands and the people that you can meet. Maybe like there's, there's, I think there's so many marketers out there right now that are trying to level up their content in their companies, try new things, but there's this maybe mindset from above and maybe it's executive team. Maybe it's an old marketing leader, you know, people view podcasts, maybe not in a positive light because it's not giving you leads right now. And it's how is it contributing to the pipeline? Like what kind of things do you say when you're in conversations talking about what you do to marketing people who maybe 
don't quite understand the impact of the story you just told and what's possible. Yeah. So I, the beautiful part about B2B podcasting is you can tickle both the relational gains that you're going to make that your sales team is going to fall out of their seat for when they realize that you just got the VP of IT that they've been trying to cold call for the last six months that won't, that won't return their call. But you just, you just asked them to be on your podcast about IT and they said, yes. So your sales team's going nuts about that. But then you actually get to create content with that VP of IT about their subject matter expertise and your brand gets to now like carry the weight of, of their, their ideas and their thoughts and post-produce that content to make it your own. So you're leveraging the brains of your ideal buyers to really fuel a big part of your content strategy. Now I know like I'm, I'm a big proponent for what Chris Walker is talking about. And Chris is like, you know, you need to develop your own thought leadership. I absolutely think you need to develop your own points of view. You don't only want to rely on the points of view of your guests. Honestly, like I think our points of view have delivered better results for our business than the points of view that we've brought on from like VPs of marketing, even at big companies on our show on B2B growth. But it's the mix of those two. You get, you get great content, the, the points of view from your guests mixed in with your own points of view, because you're going to do solo episodes. You're going to do behind the curtain episodes. You're going to do things that really help you flesh out your brand's points of view, your brand's strategic narrative, your brand's category, flesh that out on your podcast in addition to interview-based like episodes where you're talking to your ICP, that VP of marketing or the VP of IT or the you know CIO, whatever it is. And you can just do so much with it. Like the, the thing that like we talked to a hundred B2B marketers recently and every single one of them, when we said, what's your biggest challenge at some degree, it was, I'm expected to do too much and we don't have enough bandwidth to do all of the things that are being asked of us to do. And the beautiful part about a podcast is you can do all those things in one bucket. So like, if thought leadership is something that your CEO is really pounding on, we need more thought leadership. You can do that in a podcast. Again, solo episodes, behind the curtain episodes with your subject matter experts internally. Uh, you, you can do thought leadership with it. You can do product marketing. You can use your podcast as a way to interview your buyers and talk to them about you know what the show is about, the industry. But then on the pre or post interview, you're figuring out like, what is it about your product messaging that's working? What's not working? Like use that podcast as a way to do that type of research as well. You can do original research. We've done original research with our podcast where like the post interview becomes this like, hey, I want to ask you five questions. And it's the same five questions that we've asked our last hundred guests. And you end up being able to create your own thought leadership based on the you analyzing kind of the responses that you've got from all of your guests answering these same five questions. You can do account-based marketing with it by asking your ideal buyers to be a guest on the show. Um, you, you like it's, it's everything it's sales enablement. You can do sales enablement through your podcast by like figuring out what, what resources people actually want because you're not asking them to hop on a demo. You're asking them to create content with them. So there's just so much magic that can happen 
through the medium of podcasting, because ultimately all podcasting is, is conversations. And if you brand your show correctly and you brand your show around your ideal buyer and not yourself, which is the biggest mistake that I see companies making, they, they want to make the show about them. But when you make the show about you, if we made, if we made B2B growth about B2B podcasting, it would alienate us from being able to talk to VPs of marketing at the companies that we know could do business with us that could hire us for our podcasting services. And so by branding our show B2B growth, we can still do our own stuff. We can talk about B2B podcasting. We can flesh out our own points of view on solo episodes and behind the curtain episodes, but we can also ask that VP of marketing at Oracle to be a guest on our show to talk about their expertise as it relates to B2B growth, build a relationship with them and ultimately possibly do business with them, have a strategic referral relationship with them. Like there's so many things that can come from it. And if nothing comes from it, if we never do business with Oracle, if they never refer us anybody, if, if nothing ever happens from it, we still created great content with them that made that, that bolstered our brand. And so there's, there's just, I, I don't see any downsides to it. You can do so much with it. You see everybody that's winning in B2B marketing right now has one. And, and it's for, re- I mean, there's, there's at this point, there's really not a lot of denying it. Like it's, it's a freight train that's already down the, like it's coming. I, I'm drinking the Kool-Aid. Obviously you just, there's a lot to unpack there. You, there podcasts are versatile. I want to get into the, the, the naming component. I think that's really important. But before we do that, um, you just like gave a lot of different use cases. I'm the marketer. I'm working at a startup. I'm trying to sell the business case internally to my manager who might be the VP of marketing maybe uh, our product team, maybe our CEO. I'm trying to sell internally why we should be doing this. Like you just said a lot, like how do you package it up in a way that kind of cuts through all the noise where it hits no matter the the functional leader or the executive team member. And they said, yep, let's do this. Yeah. I would say to cut through all of that, we're going to use this podcast to drive revenue. And the way we're going to use this podcast to drive revenue is that we are going to go to sales. We're going to figure out who are our top 250 target accounts that our sales team wants to have conversations with. And we are going to systematically go down that list and ask all 250 of those people to be a guest on our show. We're going to approach those conversations like we're journalists. And so we're going to learn a lot about how they think, what's in their head. We're not going to talk about our product. We're going to talk about their expertise. And through those conversations, some of those are going to turn into pipeline. Some of those are going to turn into learnings that we're going to use to adjust messaging on our website, adjust our marketing campaigns, whatever. Some of those are going to turn into referrals. But at the end of the day, this podcast is going to drive pipeline and it's going to drive revenue. I, I love that. And I just had a conversation with a CMO about this and the fact that marketers it, it, for so long, the marketer was relying on customer success or product for market feedback and information. And now is the time that as yes. the marketer, we can be the ones to drive these conversations and in turn, bring in information for our sales team, bring in product information to help make what we're building better. So it's really just like what I hear you say, it's kind of that mind shift of like, old, let me just sit back and wait and, hey, customer success, I need a case study. Let me talk to a customer. 
let's do this old case study. And now it's more the marketer being in the driver's seat, getting all the feedback and kind of facilitating it across all functions and amplifying everything the business is doing. You're exactly right, man. You're exactly right. I think, yeah, there's, there's, uh, yeah, I, I don't even have anything to add there. I think you nailed it. <laughs> let's let's talk about the naming thing. You know, so so much of uh, the way we think as marketers just inherently is like about us, right? It's like, what are we going to do for our KPIs? How are we going to get those leads? So I think just the mindset when you're branding a show, it's like it's easy to just think about ourselves. Like, talk to me a little bit about just like the naming it around their expertise and that process that, you know, marketers can go through when trying to kind of nail the name when they're, you know, pitching or trying to get guests on the show. Yeah. So there's, there's a a few different ways that you can think about this. I'm pulling up a blog post that we've got on this. We've actually got a naming generator as well that I'm going to try to get here just so I can, I, cause I, I think there's a, there's a lot to unpack with a name. And there's frameworks that you can use to help you to help you develop that name. All right. So, so naming your podcast, you really have three goals with your B2B podcast name. So the first goal is that uh, you want to make it clear that the content on your show is for your ideal buyer. Because if your ideal buyer comes across your podcast and they see a podcast that is not for them, they're going to skip right over it. And even if you say, oh, what we do is for them, it's a fraction of what they think about. If you do something with AI, but your buyer only spends 3% of their day or their week thinking about AI, don't freaking make your show about AI. Make your show about something that is going to be relevant to the bulk of what this person cares about. Maybe it's the industry, maybe it's their role, maybe it's the aspirational identity that they aspire to, but you've got to make sure that the name clearly articulates that your show is for them. It's also got to be attractive to ideal buyers in such a way that they would want to be a guest on it. So like one of our customers, the name of their show is The Innovative Agency. She's an attorney. She did not make her show about legal mumbo jumbo. She doesn't even have legal in the name of her show, but she is an attorney for marketing agency owners. So she branded her show, The Innovative Agency. Do you not think that an agency owner wants to be a guest on a podcast called The Innovative Agency? Right. Of course yeah. they do. You can, and that's kind of the flexibility and the freedom that you have with your name. Like make it so that your ICP wants to be a guest on this show. And then you want it to be search engine friendly. So when you, when people are searching in podcast platforms, you want like for us, B2B growth, we rank for the term B2B. And that is the number one reason that our show now gets downloaded 160,000 plus downloads a month or whatever. Like it's because people are searching B2B in Apple podcasts. Now that was like back in the early days, it's much harder to rank for that keyword. Now we, we had the benefit of timing, but think about what are the keywords in your space we're still brand new. We haven't even rounded first base with podcasting yet. So the likelihood that that nobody is ranking or that there aren't shows about things that are super relevant to your ideal buyers, it, it's still, you know, B2B is a massive keyword, obviously, but 
start getting a little bit more granular in your thinking and figure out how can we work those keywords into our show name. So for us, our show name used to just be B2B growth. Now our show name is B2B growth colon, uh, your daily B2B marketing podcast. And so when we made that change, when we added that little tagline into the name of our podcast, now all of a sudden, not only are we ranking in Apple podcasts, but when you search B2B marketing podcasts in Google now, our podcast pops up, I think is the first or second search result for B2B marketing podcasts solely because we put your daily B2B marketing podcast in the tagline of the show. Now, there was a season where Apple was like booting out shows that were kind of keyword stuffing in their headline. So you've got to make sure that it sounds conversational and that it's a descriptor of your podcast, but be smart about it. And so those are the three kind of goals of your B2B podcast name. I can get into some frameworks and stuff, but is there anything you wanted to unpack there, Brad? No, I think that's good perspective. And I think just, uh, you know, my big takeaway there is just like put, put yourself in your listener, like put yourself in their shoes. And if they're trying to search, like reverse engineer that when you're thinking about your name, a lot of good stuff there. Maybe we move over to um, the ABM stuff. Um, I know you touched on that earlier and, you know, a lot, a lot of people, I think when you're framing this up of like, we have this podcast or we need to do this podcast, you can match it up and align it with your ABM strategy. It makes a ton of sense. I'd love to maybe understand from your perspective, like, how do you do it in a way that isn't like salesy? That is like, I'm coming at you because I want to learn. Like the intention might be, we want you to be a customer down the road, but like, how do you approach the market in a way that it doesn't feel like just a, a cold email from a salesperson? Yeah. So I, that's a great question, man. And I alluded to it early, uh, earlier in the call, you've got to approach these interviews as a journalist, not a salesperson. And that is a fundamental switch that you have to make to be able to do this. We've found that, I mean, I can do cold outreach with very bland, um, it's short messaging, because I think short messaging works with guest outreach way better than these long sales pitches. So it's short and brief, but even when I ask like, hey, so-and-so would love to have you as a guest on B2B growth, you know, we get 160,000 downloads a month, any interest, that does okay. Like you're going to get more people to say yes to that. And even if you don't have the 160,000 downloads, like, Hey, you know, we host this podcast for B2B marketers, love for you to be a guest that does decent. When you say, Hey, so-and-so I saw your tweet the other day and I was, it, it really made me think about this. I'd love to explore that on our podcast. Would you be up for it? When you can have some sort, give them some sort of context as to why you're reaching out to them, hence wearing the journalist hat whether it's something they tweeted, something going on for, on their, that you noticed on their company page on LinkedIn, something you observed on their website that's interesting. So you have to do the work the, the, that we just hired someone on our team to focus on this for our customers because it's work. It, there's, not an automa- there's not a tool that can automate this for you. You have to go in and actually figure out what is it about this person that, I'm, that I want to build a relationship with that makes them interesting to their peers who are other people that you know we want listening to the show and could potentially buy our solution. And you explore what makes this person interesting. And then you're going to reach out to them with that in hand. And they're not going to say yes 100% of the time, but I bet you if, if what you tell them is thoughtful and they're like, oh, like that's super flattering. 
that's the next evolution. Like when we first started doing this, we didn't need to do personalization. You could just say, Hey, I've got a podcast and I want you to be a guest on it. And people were taking us up on it left and right. It's evolved. Now there's been a lot of people that have taken what I wrote about in the book, content-based networking. They've, they've taken that and they've kind of bastardized it and they use it to just like try to trick people into getting on sales calls, which is infuriating to me, but that that's not the goal. Like that's, that's not what you should be trying to do. The goal is building genuine relationships. And some of those are going to turn into business if you're building relationships with the right people. Yeah. I love that. I I, I love what you said there about just the uh, being thoughtful, putting your journalist hat on. I you think about a podcast strategy and how thoughtful you have to be to put it into place in an organization and start executing it. One thing that people that are running podcasts might not consider is that the message that you send out to get your guests can't be a batch and blast communication yes. that you just copy and paste and send to everyone. That's like using your words that you just said, that's kind of bastardizing your whole program. So yeah. I think that's like super important and not a lot of people are talking about that, but just like you said it, do the work up front, like do yeah. your research about the person and use it back to them. They're more likely to say, yeah, let's, let's talk about it. Yep. You're exactly right. And then there are a few things, Brett, that I, my, my friend, Timmy does a lot of podcast interviews and he's one of my best friends and he's been using his podcast to grow his business. He's a children's book author. He writes children's books for entrepreneurs. And he's been teaching me a ton about like, how do you go from someone being a guest to someone being a friend? And there are a few things you can do in the interview itself to make that happen. So one, I'm a huge advocate for doing a pre-interview, unless you're interviewing a Chris Walker or a Dave Gearhart or like a thought leader that gets interviewed a million times, they're not going to want to do a pre-interview. They do enough of them. Like they know their talking points. They know what they're going to say. They're sharp enough on their feet. But for the most, I, I think the bulk of people listening to this based on the industry they're in, like people are not accustomed to being interviewed on a podcast. So they're actually going to welcome a pre-interview. So do a pre-interview. And on that pre-interview, if you open the call, you know, you've got to like really tap. If you're not naturally charismatic, this you got to like muster some charisma, but ask them like open the call, like, Hey, you know, how's it going? Like what's, what's been your high and your low today. And by asking them what their high and their low is today, they'll always tell you a high and then they won't necessarily go to the low. But when you bring it back up and say, okay, like, so, so what's been the low today? It takes the conversation to like a very real place where they're like, oh man, my kid missed the bus this morning. So I ended up having to move my first call, you know, to take that. And this, again, this is pre-interview. So you're not recording any of this. It's not like you're, you know, you're creating bad content and like you're, you're trying to focus on building quality relationship. And by doing that, by asking what's your high, what's your low, you're getting to that place of friendship. And now one, you're making them more comfortable with you. So the content's going to end up being better. They're, they're probably going to be more vulnerable, more authentic in the interview because they feel that closeness to you. But the other thing that you do in the pre-interview is you try to work in naturally, like what, what you do. So like, you know, Hey, you know, we produce a lot of B2B podcasts and, you know, we're one of the few shops that focus on actually driving revenue through your podcast and figuring out how to work that in in the pre-interview is is magic because now like they've got the context. Sometimes they will have gone to your website before the interview, but like just figuring out how to 
you know, work it into the pre-interview conversation naturally, I think is uh, between that and asking for high and low, like that helps you like be more strategic on the back end of the interview to figure out like, is there an opportunity for us to work together here? Because a lot of times when you explain what you do, they'll end up saying like, oh yeah, we've actually been talking about doing that. We should talk offline. Timmy even has it to where they're like, hey, can we just do the podcast interview later? I want to talk about you know you writing a kid's book for me. And so that's always you know, obviously awesome when that happens. But just a couple other notes here that, that I think are kind of like level two, level three stuff that could be really helpful for folks that are thinking about doing this. Yeah. I want to bottle that up and just like put an exclamation point on everything you said. Everyone thinks about the podcast. We talked about the outreach and then we talk. now we're talking about the pre-call. Like everyone just focuses in on the podcast conversation. Those first two things are fundamental of a successful podcast. So I love that you focused in on that. Maybe we shift to, I know you've got some thoughts on just like show hosts and the amount of show hosts. Maybe people doing podcasts should have more than one person interviewing guests. Like what are your thoughts there? Yeah, so I think if you have more than one show host, you allow yourself to create more content. And when you create more content, you're putting more lines in the water to see what's resonating and what's not. So for us, for B2B Growth, our head of marketing is a host of the show. We've got, we've got our VP of customer experience that hosts some episodes on the show. And then we've got our podcast strategist, which is what we, you know, our, our sales team. So she is currently a host of the show. We're about to hire another podcast uh, strategist and they're, they're going to be a host of the show as well. And so by doing that, one, you're creating more relationships because you've got now more people creating content for the show, but you're also you know, the more conversations, the more you're figuring out, like what, what works, what doesn't work. Um, you might have a product marketer that hosts a series on your show that is helping you figure out messaging and, and, and positioning and different things like that. So lots of different things you can do, but I think a lot of people just think that you can only have one show host. And it's like, who, who wrote this rule book saying that you can only have one show host? Like, and, and there are certain strategies, like there are certain like themes and things that you want to do with your show that may not align with having multiple show hosts. But I think in more cases than not for B2B brands, it just makes a lot of sense to feature multiple voices from your team on the show. Yeah. I mean, there's the, the line everybody in B2B marketing has said, and I'm going to be, beat it like a dead horse, but people want to buy from people, right? So by yep. you featuring more than just one individual on a podcast as the show host, you're letting people in on the inside of, Hey, you're head of product. Who's got this product show or Hey, your VP of sales has got this sales show. So I think featuring more people um, makes a ton of sense. If, if you're in the position to be able to do that. Yeah. Well, you've obviously shared a ton of uh, unique points of view on podcasting when, when you, you know, just in this conversation, but I think that's something else you've called out is maybe like a mistake is not being able to do yeah. this. Can you, can you talk through that a little bit? Yeah. So a lot of podcasts turn into very fluffy conversations. One, because you didn't do a pre-interview and you're just kind of rambling and word vomiting all over one another. And so sometimes those conversations are fun, but more often than not, they don't add a lot of value to people. And so if in your pre-interview, you can ask what we call POV discovery questions, very pointed, very specific questions that help you uncover what are the points of view of my guest 
that I can unpack in the interview itself. And we've just found these to be enormously helpful. So I'll, I'll rattle off a few of them. You don't need a lot, but like one POV discovery question that works really well is what's a commonly held belief about whatever the industry is or their expertise is that you just passionately disagree with? So for B2B growth in a pre-interview, I would say like, hey, what's a commonly held belief about B2B marketing that you just passionately disagree with? One thing I've been noticing about this question is when you don't send it ahead of time and you just ask it right on the pre-interview and they haven't thought about it before, they don't come up with necessarily like super profound answers on the spot. Like they're saying things like marketing and sales should be aligned. And I'm like, okay, that's not really, that's not really a commonly, like everybody believes that, but there's, but it gets them talking and it get like a lot of times, like if you just let it, let it like, tell me more, tell me more. Like they'll, they'll get to something that actually is a unique insight. So mm-hmm. I still like that as a question prompt. You just need to give it a little bit of space to see if there's something there. And again, this is a pre-interview. You're not recording. So this is you like testing and playing. Like if they say something that you think is like, ah, now my audience has heard that a gajillion times. Don't go there. Like ask the next POV discovery question. So the next one that I like to ask is what's something that you have changed your mind about or evolved your thinking on? related to, you know, whatever, B2B marketing, IT, whatever. This one's really fun. And I've actually found that a lot of people, because they've got to say, man, I used to think this and now I think this. And so if you were to ask me that question, Brett, I would go, I would go on a tear about how I used to say that I didn't think content quality mattered at all. I used to think it was just about the relationship. And over the years, I've evolved my thinking to say that, no, actually the content quality matters a great deal. Like we have a lot of buyers that buy from us because they've been listening to B2B growth for years, even though I kind of downplayed quality. I was just trying to build as many relationships as I possibly could. And I've learned that that was, that was the wrong approach. And so there's, you're opening your guest up to be a little bit vulnerable and say that they were wrong about something and that they've evolved. And I think that actually makes the listener like, warm up to them even more and like want to learn from them. So that's a great one. And then the third one is what's something that B2B marketers or insert whatever the persona is for your show, what's something that that persona should start or stop doing today. Mm-hmm. And by doing that, you're going to get them on something that is usually a pretty strong point of view. Marketers should stop da da da. Or man, I think everybody should start Da, da, da. We found that just in headline writing, when you start a headline with start or stop, it it's a scroll stopper. Mm-hmm. Like it it makes people want to consume the content because it I don't know, it communicates action. Like yeah. hey, start doing this, stop doing this. If you if you consume this piece of content, you are going to get something actionable from it. Uh, so we end up getting a lot of our headlines from that POV discovery question. And once you figured out, you you might have you might. The answers to all three of those questions, you're like, man, those are great POVs. Let's see if we can get through all three of them on the interview. And you might get that only one of the three are awesome. So you're like, okay, let's really focus in here because this that was really their only unique novel like POV. So whenever you go to record the interview, you're just really dialing down on that POV. Like, tell me more about this. Like, why do you think people get this wrong? How can people do this? What's step one? What's step two to do what you're saying? And by by running that framework, like we call it what, why, how on the POV that you're trying to uncover, it ends up making exceptional content. 
I love this and I will share just a personal use case. I started leveling up my conversations went during the pre-call when we got through the meeting each other, sharing who we are. I would just ask the question, why does B2B marketing suck? Yes. And, and literally let just, I'll just sit back. And that's when I'm taking notes. I'm just, yes. taking, and then, then I would say, after they were done, I'd say, what are you doing in your role to make it better? Yeah. Boom, 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 boom. And the, the, the amount of energy and passion that I got from just those two questions, I packaged it up. And afterwards I, I said, after the interviews and was done, I would say, great interview. Hey, I'm doing this series. I'd love to feature you. Would you mind writing something a thousand words or less? And we'll share it out and promote it. And everyone said, absolutely. I love this idea and topic. So it's just, it's striking that chord of that topic with whoever your guest is that, you know, they're going to open up and they open up. And that's when you just, you get the notepad out and you start taking notes. Yes. That is a, that's a brilliant POV discovery question. I just want to like, I I felt that one because it took me a while, but once I found mine, everything started to level up. Um, Something you touched on that I want to get into is, which this is, this might be like level three, level four is original research. This is, this is, I'm the student here. This, I'm not doing this. And I, I'd love to kind of get inside your head and mindset about like how you approach this and different things that you do. Yeah. So we, I, I think there are more efficient ways to do what we've done. We've, we've done this once. It took us about six months to do it. And for a hundred of our B2B growth guests, we were originally asking, we, I think it was like 10 questions. It, it might've even evolved to 15 questions. We started asking them in the post interview. So we do the podcast interview and then we would ask them these 15 interview questions. We recorded it separately and it was like, great. We stored them. And then we had, um, you know, Dan on our team went through and listened to all of them, like started coming up with some points of view based on the commonality. So the questions were like, you know, what books are influencing you right now? Who are the influencers that you're getting the most value from? What are the marketing channels that are working for you right now? And so you've, you're hearing all these people kind of like bash search, but we talked to a hundred B2B marketers at B2B SaaS companies, and they're all saying that search is their highest performing marketing channel. So like as much as Dave Gearhart and Chris Walker and like all, all these like modern kind of forward thinking brand guys want to pretend that search isn't relevant, like it is. And so that becomes a really compelling point of view. What we found is the placement of these questions is actually way better if you do it pre-interview. So if you ask these, if you come up with these 10 questions, maybe it's five, maybe 10 is too much, but you come up with five, ask them in the pre-interview it ends up giving you really strong insight into like the direction you could take with the interview. So it's like, Hey, you said this in our, like with our original research questions, I haven't actually heard anybody talk about that. Would you want to go there? It also primes the pump for them. It gets them like, cause they're like, Oh yeah, this is just like being recorded for original research, like not going like, so they're just kind of free, free front. They're not in their head and it ends up getting those juices primed so that they give you better content in the interview itself. So that was kind of something that we evolved about it, but that's the end. At the end of the day, you're doing original research. And instead of doing a dry survey, you're doing conversations like this, where you can, you can listen for more nuance in their answer. So instead of, you know, like, 
one of the insights that I pulled from this, I was asking people like, what's your favorite marketing book? And every single time I asked that question, the response was something like, huh, well, it's actually not a marketing book. And so I realized marketers don't read marketing books. They read books about psychology. They, they read books about like how people think that like, that's the kind of stuff that people in, in our profession are consuming. That was a huge epiphany for me. Like, but you've got all these consultants and agency owners writing books about marketing, but people don't read book. Like the marketers don't actually read books about marketing, which we wouldn't have got. Maybe we would have had we just done a survey, but this was uh, it, th- this was way more fun. My, fa- I'll, I'll just, I'll, I'll add to that perspective. My favorite marketing book is Influenced by Cialdini, which is a psycho, not a marketing book, but. Yep. I, I totally agree with that. Um, yep. I, I love too what you're saying here. It's basically everything you're saying is you said origin or before that uh, marketers, a lot of them aren't the Dave Gerhards or the Chris Walkers yeah. who are just getting on interviews. Like maybe this is the first time they've been interviewed all year. And so yeah. what you're doing with these techniques is you're putting your guests and setting them up in a place to be successful when they're representing their company or brand on your show. Yeah. Yep. You're exactly right. All right, let's close out with this one, which I think this is uh, this is like the the level ten. Um, <laughs> this is like this is my like vision of like what I would love to do, and this is the run approach. Maybe it were crawl, walk, run. Yeah, um, is just thinking about how you can use your platform to facilitate conversations of all of the guests that you have. Yes. So it's not just like you're a guest on my show. Thank you for the content. See you later. Never hear yes. from you again. But it's leveraging those relationships and connecting people together. Talk a little yeah. bit about that. So about, probably about a year ago, I, I'm, a, I'm a obviously big proponent of relationship building. And I was like, man, we've built all of these individual relationships with these guests on, on the show. And I had done, it was probably a couple of years ago, I was getting on planes and organizing little dinners. So I'd go to Boston and I'd get seven people that had been on B2B growth in the last year that lived in Boston and we'd, we'd come and meet up. And it was always like, it was like the highlight of my week every time I would do it. It's like people, really smart people that are incredibly thoughtful and just connecting them to one another. So I became like the host of the party. So it was obviously super helpful for me. We ended up, it generated deals for us for years down the road from that, even though that wasn't even the intent. So I was like, how can we do this? This was during COVID. So I was like, how can we recreate that kind of environment on a more consistent basis so that when someone comes on B2B growth, it's not just like we're not depending on serendipity for us to reconnect with them. And so I was like, okay, what if we did like virtual mastermind groups that met monthly for an hour? People are obviously very accustomed to doing Zoom calls now. And if the value was like, hey, I want to put you into a group that meets every month, it's a group of your peers, somebody from our team is going to facilitate it, but it's really like you're sharing lessons learned and learning from other other B2B marketing leaders. And so we hired a guy full-time, Debo, to facilitate these communities. We call them marketing squads. So now we bring somebody on to B2B growth. And then the next ask isn't, you know, it. If it like it might come up, like, hey, like, are you guys doing a podcast? Like, if you thought about doing a podcast, but regardless of what they say to that, it's hey, we've got these, we've got these marketing squads that we put together. They meet, they meet once a month. There's you know five to seven marketers, 
And, uh, and it's a really quality conversation. You're going to learn from your peers. You're going to get to share what you're learning. And, uh, it, they have been a massive hit, like genuine friendships have formed. And for me being a relationship guy, like I was, I was just at uh, lunch last Saturday with a guy that lives in St. Pete. So like two hours from Orlando, where I'm at, um, another guy from, where is he from? Like maybe Chicago. He's not from, he's not from Orlando, but he was in town. We went to breakfast with him. Another woman that's in one of these squads. I think we've got like seven or eight squads at this point. Another woman, she was in town visiting her grandpa who ended up passing away. But because we were friends, we, we had become friends with her through these, through this squad. We found like, so she told, you know, we were in a position to know that her grandpa was sick. We then knew that her grandpa passed away. So we were able to send flowers to her family, like while they were still mourning, that is, everybody talks about being human. Like that's, that to me is like bringing humanity to work. Like we got to grieve and pray for someone that maybe that maybe it turns into a deal. Maybe it like, doesn't even like I, if I could, I wish I could articulate how little I care about whether these friendships end up turning into business. And I think that's why they do, because I care way more about these people as friends than I do about whether they end up giving us some money to produce their podcast or not. And because they know that, I think, and, and our team kind of permeates that thinking, they never feel like they're being bamboozled or they never feel like they're, being, they're having their arm twisted to work with us. Our agenda is we want to be friends with you and we want to help you make other friends. We almost called the groups marketing friends. And then Gary V dropped his NFT project and it was like <laughs> Gary V friends. And we were like, okay, maybe it's not friends, but, um, but that's the heart behind it. And seeing these people connect with each other now and become friends with one another, it's just incredibly fulfilling. And I think companies taking this approach to community like we're going to build a traditional B2B podcasting community. It's going to, you know, there's going to be a Slack channel. It's going to be one to many. It's going to be virtual events where, you know, 40, 50 people show up. Like, I think there's room for that kind of community too. But with your podcast guests, I think there's a special opportunity to continue the relationship with them in a slightly larger setting. We put them into this monthly group. It only lasts six months. So it's not like a lifetime commitment. At the end of the six months, they can choose to get put into another group or they can say, hey, I'm in a busy season. I'm out right now. But if they get into a group once, that's at least six months of us being on their radar, us deepening friendship with them, them getting to know someone else from our team because it's not, you know, it, it's Debo is solely focused on this. So they're like, they're getting to know Debo. Debo's focused on becoming friends with them. It just, it just works, man. Like, and, and it's one of those things that it's hard to scale. We're trying to figure out like how many groups can Debo do, you know, but we've, we've won business because of it. Like I, I can point to revenue that has come because of this, but the thing I get more excited about is the fact that we are now positioned in the lives of our potential customers as friends. Like we know when their life is going really well and we know when their grandfather is really sick. And I think uh, that is going to, I think that is going to produce business results, even though that is not like our, I think friendship ends up mapping to business results basically. So it's strategic, but it's also like soulful and like it's our heart and it works. 
I love it so much. I think just my main takeaway from this conversation, James, is just like the power of podcasting and relationship building together um, and what that can do for your brand and business. I certainly have a lot of takeaways myself. I'm sure the rest of the audience out, out there do as well. I can't let you get out of here. And I know you've got a lot of stuff going on, but you got, what, what do you want to plug here? Yeah. Where, where can you send people? I'll put all your stuff yeah. in the show notes, the traditional stuff, but where, where do you want to send people? Yeah. So, so the book is on audible and Amazon content-based networking. I just wrote a kid's book actually called, I want to start a, or I want to have a podcast when I grow up. So, uh, so you can find the kid's book on Amazon as well. If you just search my name, James Carberry, or I want to have a podcast when I grow up, you should find the kid's book. And then uh, we've got a behemoth of, of totally free course on B2B podcasting. So if you want to dig further into this, just go to sweetfishmedia.com. You'll see it right there on our homepage. You can get to the course and check out a lot of our points of view and a lot of our thoughts on this stuff. Uh, we, we give it all away for free. Sweetfish Media, B2B Growth, everything that James is doing right now is helpful. Everyone go check it out. James, thank you so much for the time. I'll have to talk to you again pretty soon. Awesome. Thanks, Brett. I really appreciate it. There is not a lot of people that have been in the podcast game doing what he's doing as long as James. Pumped to bring that conversation to you, the listener. If you're out there and you're trying to start a podcast, go check out James's stuff. Go check out Sweetfish Media. Love what they're doing. Definitely hit that subscribe button. Sign up for the juice if you aren't already. Go to thejuicehq.com. We do appreciate that. Take care of yourself. Take care of others around you. And we will be back with more 3C Podcasts next week. 